Not just the one or two little things about it that you don't like, but hopefully after looking at the big picture, oh, I'm hoping that you as well will say with me, I love my church. We're trying to develop New Bethel into a more well-rounded church. We're trying to be more intentional. We're trying to do things on purpose. We're trying to be more relevant to our present day. We do not want to become one-dimensional. Because of that, there are three things that we're going to be focusing upon this coming fall. And the three things we're going to focus on is celebration, connection, and cultivation. On Sunday mornings, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God. We're going to worship and we're going to praise. We're going to preach the uncompromised Word of God. We're going to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray one for another. Sunday morning is going to be a time for celebration. On the second and fourth Sunday nights of the month, We're going to gather in homes and have a time of connection. Six, seven, eight families gathered in a a small home setting getting to know one another. The primary focus will be fellowship. These are not designed to be Bible studies. They're not designed to be prayer meetings, although some of this is going to happen and and take place. Yet the primary purpose of these meetings and these groups is for fellowship. How many understand we we already gathered on Sunday morning and had a spirit-filled service? Now we need to get to know one another. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Say fellowship. The early church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. It wasn't the same thing all the time. They did many different and various things. Wednesday nights will be dedicated to cultivation. We understand to cultivate means to develop or improve by education or training. So Wednesday night is going to be all about discipleship, Christian education, learning how to flesh out our faith. Royal Rangers will disciple our boys and Impact Girls Clubs will disciple our girls and Project 1440 will disciple our youth. The adults on Wednesday night will begin by coming into the auditorium and spending a few moments in praise and in worship. And following this, then we will be dismissed to go to elective classes. Pastor Houston's Bible class is going to be an ongoing class every Wednesday night. That will be the only class that will be an ongoing class. We will also have four or sometimes five elective classes And these classes are going to meet for eight consecutive weeks. And then at the end of these eight weeks, then you're going to be asked to go to a different class for the next eight weeks. And on and on it'll go. And so as you go from class to class to class, you will be able to meet new people. You'll be able to be taught many different and various things. I love my church. Glad this morning my church is not stuck in a rut. My church is not just treading water. My church is not going to go just keep going around the same old tree over and over and over again. I love my church because my church is trying to be more biblical. 
We're trying to be more like the early church. We're trying to be more purposeful and more intentional and more relevant. I love my church. Well, last Sunday we started talking about the purpose for our upcoming connection groups. These groups, as I've said, will meet uh, in different homes on the second and fourth Sunday nights of every month. Again, telling you that the purpose of these groups is for fellowship. The purpose of these groups is for people to begin building relationships within this church body. I want our people to know one another. I understand that no one can know everybody. There's 450 people that attend this church. Some come every Sunday, some come once a month. A few come on Easter and Christmas, but 440 people call this their home church. There's no way that you can know 450 people, especially when they're divided up into services. But I want to tell you there are people here that don't know anybody. And we want to get you connected. We want you to get to know Some people in the church. Well, last Sunday we talked about three things about relationships. We started talking about relationships last Sunday. We're going to continue to talk about that this morning. Let me just real quickly just tell you, for those of you that weren't here, and for those of you that were, remind you three things we talked about last Sunday concerning relationships. Number one, we said we were created for relationships. We were created for relationships. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, God said, It is not good for man to be alone. God had made the sun, the moon, the stars. God had made the rivers and the valleys. God had made everything and, and He made man. Uh, but then God, and every time God said, It is good. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2 and for the first time God says, It is not good. What was He speaking about? What is not good? What could possibly be not good when everything was perfect? God said it is not good for man to be alone. God created man for relationships. The second thing we talked about was that we are conditioned against relationships. Even though God created us for relationships, yet today in modern America we are conditioned against relationships. The modern American culture works absolutely against relationships. As Americans, we're taught to be private. Private. Oh, we're taught to be prideful and productive and preoccupied. We are, we are conditioned against relationships. But then the third thing we talked about last Sunday was that we are completed through relationships. We're completed through relationships. Just as man, and I believe that everyone, at least all Christians, believe that man has a God-shaped hole in his heart. And the only thing that can fill that void in the heart of man, the only thing that can, that can fill up that, that, that God-shaped hole in man's heart is God. But I believe that that not only does man have a God-shaped hole in his heart, I believe that man has a man-shaped hole in his heart. And the only way that that can be filled up in his life and in his heart is through relationships. Well, this morning I want to continue talking about relationships. See, if we were created for relationships, if we are completed through relationships, then relationships should be pretty important. Well, today I want to talk about and begin this morning to talk to you about why I need a friend. Why I need a friend. And all of us need a friend. All of us need a friend. All of us need a relationship. Now, some of you have given up on this idea. 
And there are many and various reasons for it. Maybe you had a friend that hurt you. They betrayed you. They wounded you. And so you have given up on friendship because you don't want to be hurt anymore. I want to tell you that relationships are messy. And you, not only can you get hurt, you will get hurt. You say, Pastor, you're going to say that and tell me I need a relationship? Yes. Yes, they're messy. Yes, they're complicated. Yes, you will get hurt. But I'm telling you that they are worth it. Because there is a man-shaped hole in your heart that can only be filled with a relationship. Some of you have given up on relationship. You've given up on a friend. Perhaps perhaps you've never had a true friend. And, oh, you've watched other people's friendships and you've even envied them. And you thought, oh, if I could only have a friend like they have. If only I could have a relationship like they do. And yet it has never, ever happened for you. You have been disappointed for so, many, for so long and so many times that you are now not willing to put forth the effort anymore. Could be that that you had an incredible relationship. You had an unbelievable friendship going, but your friend died. And somehow you feel like that you would be betraying your friend that died if you, uh, oh, were to build a relationship with somebody else. Could even be that you already have friends and don't feel the need to have any more. This morning I want to begin to give you six reasons why you need a friend. Six reasons why you need to join a connection group. And begin building relationships. And before we get started, let me say this this morning. And please listen and hear me this morning. Listen, listen. you won't build a relationship with anybody uh, by attending one or two meetings. I know people pretty well. I've been around the block a few times. You will not build a relationship with one or two meetings. Relationships take time. Some of you, I know, will go to a connection group. You'll go once or you'll go twice. And then you'll quit. And you'll say, it didn't work. I told you it wouldn't work. See, I told you, it, I tried it and it didn't work. Listen, you can't go one, two, three times and, and expect to have a relationship. Nothing works without work. Nothing works without consistency. Nothing works without effort. And let me just go a little step further this morning that for most of you, just going to a connection group uh, won't build a relationship either. If you're expecting the relationship all to be done at the connection group, you're going to be disappointed too. Because most of you will not build a relationship at the connection group. But hopefully if you'll go to the connection group, you'll find somebody you can get connected with. And it's up to you after the connection group is over. It's up to you as to how much you want to build that relationship. It's up to you to put in the time and the effort and what it will take to build a relationship. Just going and sitting with six or seven other families... And and interacting a little bit, that will not in and of itself build the relationship, but it will get you connected with somebody that maybe you can really get connected with. So write these things down and remember these things. And when people call you and say, I told you it wouldn't work, just remind them, how many times did you go? 
Let me give you six reasons this morning why you need a friend. Six reasons why you need to join a connection group and start building relationships. I want to make an acrostic out of the word friend. An acrostic out of the word friend. And with this acrostic of the word friend, there will be six reasons why you need a friend. Let's get started this morning. For the F in our acrostic, I need a friend. Number one, I need a friend. And for the F, I need a friend to fellowship with me. I need a friend to fellowship with me. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to notice two things here this morning. Notice two things in this little verse this morning. Number one, you can't have friends without being a friend. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So you cannot have friends without being a friend. And if you aren't friendly, no one will want to be your friend. (laughs) Nobody wants to be my friend. Well, would you like me to give you six reasons? (laughs) Just trying to be your friend this morning. The second thing I want us to notice in that little verse is, it says, and there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I've heard this preached all of my life that this is referring to Christ, that Jesus will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And hear me, don't stone me, don't call me sacrilegious this morning. I know Jesus can be closer to me than a brother. He, you know, he is closer to me than, than a brother. That goes without saying. But I don't, you can preach it the way you want to when it's your turn, but I don't believe this is talking about Christ. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I don't think that's talking and referring about Christ. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what the context is there. He's talking about friends there. And he says there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm telling you that you can build a relationship with somebody and you can get so close to that individual and that person and have such an incredible relationship that your relationship with your friend will exceed the relationship you have with your own flesh and blood brother or sister. To reiterate that, The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 27 and 10 uh, that it is better to have a friend nearby than a brother far off. Better to have a friend close by than a brother far away. I'm talking about why I need a friend. I need a friend to fellowship with me, somebody to talk to, somebody to share my life with. The Gallup poll revealed that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. Americans, modern, sophisticated. Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. Even though they are surrounded by people, everywhere you go there's people. And yet because of our overcommitted schedules and crazy busy lives, most people do not take the time to build Relationship. Oh, they have a lot of acquaintances. They have people that they, that they talk to at work and they have people they talk to at the gym and they have people that they talk to at church. They have plenty of acquaintances, but few or no intimate relationships. They rub shoulders with people every single day, but they have a wall of protection that they themselves have built around them and they won't let anybody get within their wall. They isolate themselves even in the midst of a crowd. 
In 1 Kings chapter 19, just turn there if you would, 1 Kings chapter 19. The prophet Elijah has isolated himself. Now, for sake of time this morning, I'm not going to read this passage, but I want you to go there. 1 Kings chapter number 19. Now in chapter 18, if you'll read the story, Elijah challenges King Ahab to the gunfight at the OK Corral. Actually, he challenges him to come to Mount Carmel and both of them would set up an altar of sacrifice to their God. And the God that answered by fire, the God that consumed their sacrifice with fire, that God would be declared the true God in Israel. Well, we know the story, all of us, most of us, surely. We know that Ahab's uh, prophets, oh, oh, the God of Baal, uh, oh, failed miserably. But oh, Jehovah God, our God, prevailed. After that, Elijah prays on the top of Mount Carmel for, for rain to fall, understanding that, that there, there had been a drought in the land, understanding that there hadn't been one drop of rain for three and a half years. And yet the man of God, Elijah, goes to the top of Mount Carmel and, and he prays seven times. And when he's done praying, the, the, the clouds appear and the clouds open up and there is an incredible rain. Oh, he's cooking with hot grease now. I mean, he's God's man of faith and power for the hour. Oh, oh, he is doing well. That's chapter 18. Wow, how much difference a chapter can make. Because in chapter number 19, Elijah gets a threatening text from King Ahab's wife Jezebel. And in response to her threatening text, Elijah takes off and he runs and he hides. This mighty man of God, oh, this mighty man of God of faith and power for the hour. This man that can call down fire from heaven. This God, this man that, uh, that can stop a three and a half year drought with a prayer. Oh, but he gets this little threatening text from, from, from the queen and off he goes and hides. And this mighty man of God isolates himself. And throws himself a pity party. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we see a clear picture of isolation. And this picture isn't very pretty. I want to suggest to you this morning five tendencies of isolated people. Five tendencies of isolated people found right here in 1 Kings chapter number 19. Let me suggest the first one this morning. The first tendency of an isolated person is they, they tend to exclude other people. They tend to exclude other people. Verse 3 and 4, Elijah flees to Beersheba and leaves his servant there. But he goes on a day's journey into the wilderness. Isolated people exclude other people. They don't allow other people into their lives. You can only go this far, they say to those that are around them. I'm going to go on in my life, but I won't allow you to take the journey with me. I put up this imaginary wall. Whoa, they say, you can't come any closer than this. Have you ever been shut out by other people? You wanted to take their journey with them. You wanted to share their pain. And yet they isolated themselves. They put up an imaginary wall. They held up their hands and said, This is as far as you go. I will not allow you to go with me any further. I'm going to go on from here. But you're not welcome to take the journey. 
How about you? Do you shut out other people? There are people who are willing to take the journey with you. But you have put up your wall. And you won't let anybody in. And you won't let anybody take the journey with you. The other day I was in a restaurant and I happened on to one of our former members. Left here about two years ago. They were friendly. I was friendly. The next day I was talking with my son. We were talking church stuff. We're father and son, but we're also pastors. And we were talking church stuff. And and I told him. I said, I met so-and-so in the restaurant the other day. Left our church about two years ago. I told my son, I said... I tried to love them, but they wouldn't let me. I tried to love them, but they wouldn't let me. Have you ever tried to love somebody, but they wouldn't let you? Have you tried to help somebody? Have you tried to build a relationship? Have you tried to go through something with somebody else, but you can't because they put that wall up and they say, this is as far as you get. You can't get any closer than this. I'm going on, but you can't go with me. And have you ever done that yourself? You see, isolated people exclude other people. Elijah took his servant and he went off. But in Beersheba, he said to his servant, this is as far as you can go. I'm going on in the wilderness. But here's my wall. You can't go with me. This is as far as I'm allowing you to go. Five things about isolated people. The second thing I want you to notice a tendency is, they have a tendency to exaggerate their problems. People who isolate themselves have a tendency to exaggerate their problems. Verse 4, Elijah says, it is, it is enough, or perhaps he was saying, it's too much. I've had it already. Just take my life. What are you talking about, Elijah? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? You just stood before the king and challenged him. You just faced 850 false prophets of Ahab and won. You you just called down fire out of heaven. You just ended a three and a half year drought through prayer. And now you get this little threatening text from the queen. And you say, it's enough. Oh God, it's too much. I can't handle this. No, Elijah, you have isolated yourself. And people in isolation tend to exaggerate their problems. Let me, let me admit this morning that he had a problem. It's not that Elijah didn't have any problems. A threat from the queen is a problem. It's not nothing. It's a problem. It was a problem, but it wasn't the problem that he made it out to be. You see, most of the time our problem is not our problem. We think our problem is our problem, but most of the time our problem is not our problem. Our biggest problem is usually with ourselves and how we see our problem. 
Now, David's brother saw Goliath as too big to mess with. He's so big, we better not mess with him. David looked at him and said, He's so big, I can't miss. In verse 10, Elijah says, I'm the only one left serving you, God. Just me and you, God, aren't you? Aren't you thankful you've got me? I'm the only one. But God said in verse 18, No, Elijah, you're wrong. You're exaggerating again. I have me 7,000 in Israel whose knee has never bowed to Baal. I don't know about you, but I think that one of the reasons why Elijah would not allow his servant to come with him into the wilderness was because he knew that his servant was going to spoil his pity party. He knew that his servant had been with him and witnessed the miraculous power of God. He witnessed the fire that consumed the sacrifice. He witnessed his, 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 uh, uh, his, uh, the prophet Elijah. He, this servant witnessed the rains coming after a three and a half year drought. Elijah knew that when he began to whine and pout and exaggerate his situation, that his servant would remind him of his God and his God's miraculous Hour. But Elijah had planned this pity party, and pity party he would have. Five tendencies of isolated people. The third tendency is they, they tend to extend an accusing finger. Elijah says in verse 10, The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets. I alone am left. Isolated people tend to extend an accusing finger. They point at other people and they say, these people are the reason why I am like I am. My daddy didn't affirm me when I was a little boy or my mama made me do all the housework. Or I was the firstborn and once the second and third child came along, I was nobody anymore. Or my teacher in third grade dropped me on my head at recess. Or whatever. No, hear me this morning. Hear me, hear this compassionate, loving preacher this morning. You are like you are because you have chosen to be like you are. Circumstances can make us bitter or they can make us better. It's our choice. It's our choice. Pastor, Pastor, I abused because I was abused. No, you abused because you choose to abuse. Countless abused people grow up and refuse to abuse. The abuse stops with them. Isolated people tend to extend an accusing finger. They tend to point at someone or something and, and say, that's why I am like I am. Friend, this is another reason why we need to develop good, positive relationships. God said it's not good for man to be alone. People in isolation tend to extend an accusing finger. Notice another tendency of isolated people. They tend to exasperate people. Verse 9, God says to Elijah, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 13 again, he says, What are you doing here? 
people who isolate themselves and won't allow anyone to get beyond their wall and won't allow people to take the journey with them. These people exasperate or frustrate us. Oh, we see them sitting under their juniper tree, sucking their thumb and having their pity party. But that ain't all we see. We also see what they refuse to see. Oh, we can see their past. Oh, we can see the victories in their past. And we can see their present blessings all around them. And we can see that they are set up for future hope. Oh, you just want to grab them by the nap of the neck and shake them and say, What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Snap out of it. Look at all of the blessings. Look at all of the good things in your life. Stop focusing on the one or two little old things that you don't like in life. And start seeing and focusing on the big picture. Remember that God is still God. Oh, and know that the God of the past will not desert you in the present. Five tendencies of isolated people. The fifth thing is they tend to excuse themselves. Isolated people tend to excuse themselves. Verse 10 and verse 14, Elijah says, I have been, say have been. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Okay, okay, Elijah says, I I might be running away right now. Okay, I might be feeling sorry for myself right now. I might be sitting on my pity pot right now. But there was a time, man. Oh, there was a time. You ought to have seen me in the past. Man, I have been very zealous for the Lord. Oh, there was a time when I was a ball of fire for God. Hey, Elijah, God's not interested in what you have done. He wants to know what you're doing for him right now. What are you doing here, Elijah? Isolated people tend to excuse themselves. Oh, what I have done makes up for what I'm not doing now. They rationalize. We're talking about relationships this morning. We're talking about why I need a friend. We've only covered the F in our acrostic of the word friend. We're going to finish the acrostic And continue talking about relationships next Sunday morning. If we could have the worship team back up here this morning, please. Somebody said a true friend is someone that walks in when everybody else is walking out. I don't know about you, but I I could use a few more people like that. Amen? I could use a few more people that will walk in when everybody else is walking out. People are all the time telling me, I love you, Pastor, but. I love you, Pastor, but. How do I say this without cussing this morning? (laughs) Not that but's a cuss word, but I don't use it in my preaching, but. I'm just... Like to love those people that love me and forget the butts. Amen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A true friend is somebody that walks in when everybody else is walking out. When everybody else is up in arms and everybody else is all up, they're there holding up your hands. They're there encouraging you. They're there walking beside you. And they're there saying, I'm for you. And I love you. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Amen? Amen. 
Proverbs 17 and 17, the wisdom writer said, A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. In two weeks, we're going to start our connection group. September the 12th is going to be our first one. And these groups are going to meet on the second and the fourth Sunday night of every month. They will begin at 6 p.m. and they will conclude at 7.30 p.m. And I want you to sign up for a group Today. Say today. 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 You are the most wonderful procrastinators I've ever met in my life. (laughs) I've got two more weeks. I don't have... I want you to sign up. Today. Today. I want you to sign up for a group today. We're going to limit each group to seven families, including the host family. And so the host family is already there, so there's only six more families in each group. First to sign up, first to get into that particular group, and once the group is full, it's full. Don't ask for a special deal. <laughs> this ain't Walmart or the Chevy house, okay? And remember, we're trying to get to know people we don't have a relationship with. So what good is a connection group with six families that have known each other for 25 years. You've already got that connection. And so we want, remember, we're trying to get you to know people you don't have a relationship with. There's going to be a table set up in the foyer. Pastor Braden's going to give us directions here in a few moments. Sign up for a group on your way out today. Don't wait. Do it. Today. Would you stand with me this morning in the presence of the Lord? Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. This morning I just uh, want to give everyone, an op- for logistic purposes, we're not going to come forward, but I want to give everyone an opportunity this morning to be ministered to. So if you're here this morning and you're in...